2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball Live. This is Kirk Henderson coming to you Friday afternoon at twelve thirty Central Standard Time. Uh, we have one guest that I'd like to bring up in a hurry because I he has a limited amount of time, and I wanted them to come on and talk about playoff seedings. So, if everyone will uh, give a friendly hello to the Action Networks, Matt Moore. Hello, Matt. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm you know the 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 Pistons win last night. Um, there was, nobody was really happy about it, but it was obviously
1: much better than losing to the Pistons. Yeah. I mean, look, at this point, um, the Mavericks are 15 and 12 versus teams below 500. You gotta, <laughs> you, you gotta take the, you gotta take the wins versus the bad teams where you can find them, my friend.
2: That's right. That's right. So let's talk a little bit about that, because the playoff seeding is something that is obviously of big interest to the Mavs. At, at this point, a lot of us feel like the Mavericks could are in the driver's seat for the sixth seed, but is, is that – talk to me about the magic number and the, the sort of things we've been talking about offline.
1: Okay, so your, Maver- your magic number – Uh, For the play-in spot is three pending tiebreaker. Uh, I do not have whether you have the tiebreaker or not. Explain magic number, though, real quick. Yeah, so magic number is basically you take the number of games possible, you subtract the number of wins that you have, and then you subtract the number of losses, whatever team that you're competing against for a various spot. And that differential is how many you have to win or they have to lose some combination of those two in order for you to secure the spot. So the objective is basically to figure out what we're trying to do right now is in these last 10 games, how many wins do the Mavericks need to win? How many games do the Mavericks need to win in order to get that six seed? Um, for a top six spot, for a playoff spot right now, I have your magic number is 10 due to the fact that you do not hold tiebreaker over the Portland Trail Blazers. Uh, the Blazers' max number of wins that they can get to is 44. You're at 35. So because they have tiebreaker, you got to get to, to – if they win out, you got to get to 45 to finish ahead of them for that sixth spot. Um, now, one important thing here: you do not hold tiebreaker with the with the Blazers. But in any three way tie, if the Grizzlies catch you two, if the Spurs catch you two, if the more but more likely if the Lakers fall and you wind up in a three way tie with the Lakers, the Mavericks, and the Blazers, the Lakers will not win their division, the Blazers will not win their division, the Mavericks would win their division in that scenario. Division winner is always the first tie in multi-team. It's not head-to-head. head to heads only for two teams. If okay. it's multi-team, you win because you'll win the division over the Grizzlies and Spurs. And at that point, you would then slide up into the five spot. If it's five, six, seven, and the order is Mavericks, Lakers, Blazers, and you're all tied, the Mavericks would grab the five. <laughs> Which would be,
2: I, I sort of hope for that just for the chaos that it would cause. Yeah. Because uh, understanding the tiebreakers is not something a lot of people pay attention to because it's just not normally, it doesn't it matter. Like, I mean, it, it matters right up until it doesn't. And then it, it it just is one of these things where it's not like the Lakers are rare. The Lakers have probably haven't been in a tiebreaker situation in forever.
1: Yep. Yeah. So, which is funny. I, so I love this. The big key here is. Your magic number is 10 over the Blazers. So let's say that you don't – let's not worry about the Lakers right now. Like, I think it's okay. likely that you're that they're going to get involved in this because they're still without LeBron. We don't – we have no word on when he's coming back. Right. Um, if it's just the Blazers, though, your magic number is 10. So let's say Portland's remaining strength of schedule is um, pretty soft. Yours is softer, but theirs is pretty soft. In that occurrence, you're trying to say, like, all right, let's say that the I'm imagining the Blazers are going to go 7-3 and three down the stretch. Uh, they lose to the two teams that are better than them and they trip up one time. That's a pretty reasonable uh, number. They have played really well the last two games. The Nets are basically giving them this one tonight, resting KD. No Claxton, no Bruce Brown, et cetera. Um, if it's seven and three, right? So that's three off of magic number of 10. That means the Mavericks got to go seven and three the rest of the way in order to get the tiebreaker. Whatever Portland, every time that Portland loses, you tick off one of those numbers on your magic number. Every time the Mavericks get a win, you tick off one of those numbers on the magic number. So if okay. the Blazers lose tonight and the Mavericks win tomorrow, your magic number's down to eight. That's how you track that. Well, so so Matt Phillips in the chat is just talking about how Portland has the fourth hardest
2: schedule. How much do you think, like, the, the schedule strength of schedule can we throw out the window just because of the likelihood of certain teams, you know, resting players? Like, Portland looks like they have a tough schedule, but they're playing Utah, who has, a, you know – Not a ton of incentive um, going, you know, to to play like all of their guys every night. Now, as we saw against the Kings, it doesn't really matter in some instances for them. But what do you feel like any, how much should we be caring about strength of schedule at this point?
1: So I think there's two things, there's a couple things to keep in mind here. Um, One, and Matt is right. The the Blazers' schedule is harder than I thought it was. But the other thing to keep in mind, um, I would recommend that Matt check out a site called called Positive Residual, which is linked on my Twitter. Positive Residual. Um, okay. It's got uh, it has strength of schedule that also factors in rest advantage and rest disadvantage games. So it's going to mm. get you a different look at what the schedule is going to look like because that matters too. Um, the big key at this point of the season is is there's people really focused in on ooh, all their opponents are bad. Okay. This is a Mavericks locker room. You guys know this. <laughs> you lost to the Kings and then blew out twice. the Warriors. Like the lost to the is, Kings twice. <laughs> yeah. The problem is, this is the issue. You have to look at what the win profile of a team is. Okay. If a team is really good versus bad teams, then it's great if, if your schedule is weak. But if you're the Mavericks and your win profile is basically shrug emoji, any given night, most nights, but not always – like they have one of the worst records amongst the West teams versus teams uh, below 500. That doesn't mean they're going to lose all their games versus teams under 500. They're going to win most of those games, but that does change the differential in terms of, of what it is. Um, I'd also say that as we get later in the season, you're really going to look at those the last couple of games. Sure, um, they just most of those teams are going to be locked. Like the Jazz at this point, because of what's happened in the last couple of days, the Jazz are almost definitely going to be. A, a top two seed. So they're going to have no incentive um, to do a lot in their last couple of games. And they play mm-hmm. some of these opponents as well. Um, so you've got, when you look at that, don't only just look at, oh no, they've got to play this team. You have to ask yourself, what's the motivation for that team going into that late season matchup? Because a lot of times these teams will just be like, yeah, we don't care. Even if it's a week out, if they're just like, no, we're in pretty good spot. We feel okay. We're going to go ahead and and, and not do this. I will tell you that, uh, the even with the Nuggets having a, a brutal schedule, like their next five games are absolutely just a a death gauntlet. Um, mm-hmm. You are six back in the lost column. Go ahead and kiss that goodbye. You're not getting higher than fifth. That's okay. But I would say that the odds of the of the Mavericks going any higher than fifth are slim to not at this point. Sure. Oh no, just, that, we've the the nobody in
2: here. As has and and even on Mavs Moneyball, is like five is kind of the the high goal. But when they lose that first Kings game that we had, or this really the second Kings game, it kind of makes that exceptionally difficult. It is funny though because I'm looking at the schedule and like the, they play the the Pelicans the third to last game of the season, and it makes me wonder like at that point could the Pelicans just have decided to close up shop for the yeah,
1: year? Yeah, I I would um, say it's very I would say it's very likely that Zion will not play in that game.
2: Okay, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, it's funny like I. Um, I have a, I wrote an article years and years ago called the worst game I've ever seen. Uh, it took place <laughs> on ap- April 19th, 2006. It was the Mavericks versus the Clippers. I'm just going to read you the starting lineups because it's pretty crazy for the Mavericks. They started Josh Powell, Sagana Jopp, Adrian Griffin, Jason Terry, and Josh Howard. The, the Clippers started James Singleton, Chris Kamen, Katino Mobley, Sean Livingston, and the immortal Boniface Nadong. Um, and Vin Baker actually played 25 minutes this game. So like the kind of minute, like the things that happened the last few games of the year really, really get wild. Um, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. I just know you and I were talking about this offline and it's, it's something that's very interesting to me because, uh, the, the Mavericks have somehow played, uh, they've won, they've, they're 28 and 14 since February 1st. And, you know, if you follow me or if anybody's in these chats, you probably wouldn't believe that because we're all so upset and whiny after losses, but it's that when you say the Mavericks need to go 7-10 and 10 to finish up the season, based on what they've done, they could, there's yeah. not, you know, there's there's plenty of reason to think they could do that.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's so. likely that they do. Like, I think it's very likely um, that they wind up in that spot. I think that that's um, the most, I think the most likely scenario um, is <sighs> I mean I think four or five is obvious or five six is obviously the most likely. I would say you have you have a, a better than even chance at getting this getting into the playoffs and not having being in the play in. I would say that your odds there are maybe north of seventy okay. percent. Um, I actually have my on this weekend Action Network is we're debuting, we're simming everything. Oh. Including including tiebreakers to let you know um, to give you an example of what, what your percentage odds of getting each seat is going to be. So we'll have that up at ActionNetwork.com. I'm looking forward to that. So you're, you're doing one of these here shortly. Is that for Locked on Denver? Is that for uh, uh, Action Network? That's for Locked on Nuggets. So if you guys want to come hear about a tantalizing Paul Millsap performance, you can go do that. But well, otherwise, well, they, you, guys, they, should, people you they, guys should enjoy Kirk. Thanks for having me, man. Your thing. I appreciate you coming on.
2: Um, Does anybody else want to come up here and talk? Otherwise I can talk to myself for, you know, the better part of a half hour and we can, we can figure some things out Um, for anybody that joined the locker room last night. I was not able to, I, I pressed the record button, but the recording is lost to time. Uh so it's not going to go up as a podcast today. This one will go up instead, which I would appreciate if you uh if you download and uh maybe not listen, just Marcus play it, that sort of thing. Um so that's a pretty good assessment of 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 what's going to happen next for the Mavericks. I'm you know, we're talking in the Mavs Moneyball chat. I'm really looking forward to this Washington Wizards game uh tomorrow because the Russ is a guy that that Luca's very familiar with. Uh, having played against him before he was in the NBA. um, If anybody follows me on Twitter, there was six years ago today was actually Luka's professional debut. Uh, and and I just retweeted something. If someone can go find it and post it in the chat, it's pretty incredible. The he just he gets into the game at 16 years old. He looks skinny. His shorts are like high around his waist. It's one of the funnier things. Uh, and then he drills a three in front of a crowd full of people. I mean, just just ice in his veins. The the guy is nuts. So watching him play against Russ is a lot of fun. And and Luca and Beal seem to to have that kind of competitive fire. Uh, there was two years ago at the start. I, I want to say it was, like the the season opener. Uh, uh Beal got kicked out of the game for something and then like he and luca were going at it and it was it's just so so like those three putting together i expect like a lot of people in the moneyball chat think it is a um think it's a a trap game i don't Uh, this is a game where i think the mavericks can go out and it's going to be like a 130 125 affair Um, You know, Tim Hardaway guy is is in his get right mode. Finally, Uh, I look forward to seeing if he'll he will either turn up a stellar performance or it'll be like a non contributing zero where we hate him again. That will be that will be very fun. Um, And, yeah, that's that's just kind of one of the one of the many things I'm looking forward to um, with this. So, you know, one of the things that that I'm going to be curious about, uh, you know, when talking about Kristaps Porzingis and what the Mavericks do with him for the rest of the season, not talking like trades or anything like that, just how they approach his his injuries, Porzingis is such a rhythm-based player, and him not playing is probably incredibly frustrating for him. Uh, I they, The Mavericks say he tweaked his right knee. If you're reading any of the postgame stuff, he didn't seem to think he tweaked his right knee, so I'm going to be very curious to see what they do with him because he just did not look in the game. Um, last night's locker room, there were a number of of people who came up on stage and talked about just how frustrating that was for them, uh, as in terms of watching him. But now that I'm kind of removed from the game, if, if he wasn't ready to come back or if he wasn't feeling it in some way, shape or form, then he probably should have said something. Uh, it, it his, I watched the first and second quarters again last night before going to bed and, and he was, he just steadily lost interest and it's very confusing to kind of, you know, he got that dunk at the end of the half, but he got that dunk cause he wasn't running back on defense. And, and it's just really confusing uh, what's going on with him because, you know, as, as, as the chat is talking about now, he, he looks less athletic and I think that's true. I mean, he's seven foot three and 26 years old and, Dirk kind of has skewed our ability to view seven footers and KG to an extent too, but guys that are anything over seven foot tall, there's data if that you can go kind of find a basketball reference. If you have a paid per, 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 paid uh, subscription where guys over that height, there's an X number of them, you know, the in existence and you can sort and look at minutes totals and games played and things like that. And, after like season five or six for guys above a certain height, I want to say it's like seven, one guys just stop playing. They, they end up playing like 60% of their, their games. And Porzingis was already only playing 60% of his games. So the Mavericks have to figure out something with him moving forward. Cause I'm just going to assume he's going to be on the team uh, because his contract is so big where they have to build a team around him. Um, now that I'm done talking to myself for a minute, uh, we've got a request to come up. I'd like to bring up Sam. Sam, what's going? What's up, Kirk? How are you I'm doing? Good. Just uh, a, a, enjoying a, a long Friday lunch break when I when I you know should be working, but you know life will go <laughs> on. Yeah, I got school too. But um,
3: what's the word? I think the only way we should uh, I think uh, option that the map should do with Brazingis is that. I hope I I think he'll play good enough in the playoffs where other teams are gonna be like, oh, this guy can play good. But I hope we can increase his value so we can kind of trade him because I I don't know, I, I, this guy is always hurt and it's just sometimes I feel like he's not the second option. Like yeah. I, I I'd rather trust Tim Hardaway. Some I know not Tim Hardaway, like, um, Brunson somebody. Yeah. yeah yeah Brunson sometimes and that, that's I'm, I was so happy when we got him like. When that KP trade happened, I thought this is going to be a nice duo. But then True. this didn't become to what I expected it to be. Yeah, it, it's
2: not – what's so frustrating about it is that it's not his fault. But then but, he says and does things which make you pissed at him for reasons that have nothing to do with his injuries. And But they all kind of get mushed together in this feeling of like, fuck this guy. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh yeah
3: i mean sometimes i feel like that like, exactly what you said i'm not gonna but i just uh, i don't know i think the mavs should uh, trade for zingas next this offseason because uh, you know how mark cuban said there's something wrong with um no, there's nothing wrong with luca and uh kp's chemistry how you said it, it's just like Terry and dirk but I mean, they, they won a championship. These guys aren't close to winning a championship.
2: Close to sure, a championship. sure. That, that, Mavs, well,
3: that, that Mavs team had good synergy, and it was just a great team.
2: Let me ask you this. So there's 10 games left in the season. The the today Tomorrow's May 1st, and they have 10 games in 16 days. Would That's you, definitely. if Porzingis doesn't look right, would you rest him the rest of the way the next 10 games and hope he gets his body right? Or would you consider kind of just because he probably wants to play every game? That dude gets mad when he doesn't get to play. Like I think I think he he takes the heat for not playing, but not because he doesn't want to, it's because the medical staff is holding him out. Yeah, and so I, would did, you, I I do give him that heat for that. So right. he's he's he is a bit of you know I, I made. Isaac Harris had a tweet, which made me laugh, where it's like, like he's a warrior playing through an ankle sprain. It's like, it's, it's, Isaac, it's an ankle sprain. Um, but it, it, it still matters that he's that he wants to play. So would you want him to rest and get totally right and feel good coming in? Or would you want him to – want to see him kind of battle through and be a part of this team as they try to really secure this – The I think we should
3: rest him, I, honestly. Because if we can give him enough time and maybe rest him for a couple of the next games, I think it would be good. But what happened with his knee? I wasn't watching the game at the time because I was watching the draft. They was going back and forth. So oh, he just out.
2: looked. He was. He was. He was bad. Um, frankly, and I think they took him out to save him from his own lack of. It. He was embarrassing himself. Um, and it was like he didn't care, and so they they just pulled him out, and he didn't play the fourth quarter.
3: Yeah, knee soreness,
2: quote unquote. But yeah, yeah. So, well, okay. Well, I'm going to bring some more folks up because now that you've started the the ambush of, of people coming up, I, or oh, ambush onslaught—that's a better one—of people <laughs> wanting to come chat. So, so thank you for hanging out and getting this started. Thanks, man. Hey, no problem. Hey, right. Any time. Always here. Oh me. yeah. So hopefully, see you tomorrow night. Okay. So, coming up next is Brandon. Hey, Brandon. What's going on?
4: Hey, Kurt. Can you hear me? I can. All right. It's been a while since I've actually uh spoken on one of these. So, since we're just on the KP conversation, uh, this is just coming from somebody who is, has been a KP believer, but not not that crowd of people that, you know, are just blind to all of his, sure you know, faults. I'm fully aware of everything that he does well and, and doesn't do well. I, I, you know, just like everybody else, I was super excited whenever we got him because I see him ideally as the ultimate number two. you Mm -hmm. know, to oversimplify it, like, you know, if Luca's your floor raiser, you know, KP's your ceiling extender. But I I think the two main issues with that and a lot of people in chat have uh, kind of pointed this out, is KP doesn't see himself as number two. You know, he wants to do his own thing. He wants to be the guy as opposed to you know, kind of playing the AD role. And again, not to compare him to AD, but if just making general statements, you know, AD was the guy in new Orleans. He's not really a a real number one option, but he's an amazing number two option. And that's what KP KP can be. And then, like you said earlier, the second major problem, he's such a rhythm player. Mm -hmm. I I was not as worried about his injuries whenever we first got him because he, he'd only had the ACL. Everything else was just, you know, sore, this bruised that. And I thought he'd kind of grow out of it as he, you know, developed his body. But seeing that he's such a rhythm player, you know, if he misses three games, well, now it takes him two games to get back into rhythm. And now, you know, we've basically been at, without a good KP for five or six games at a time.
5: Right, so, right.
4: I, I think that, that's that been a much more hindering thing than I, I thought it was ever going to be. So, unfortunately, I think he's ideally a number two option, but I think we got to find – a way to bump him down to, like, a 2.5 or
2: 3. Right, where he becomes more of an X factor than he is, uh, like, a pillar. And exactly. It's Because I, I, at a certain point, I feel bad for him because they expect him to be a defensive stalwart, and his defensive numbers have trended down since his second year. Or, I yeah. mean, since his rookie year. And it's because it's just... It's hard to be seven three. He's had, I think, now fifteen lower body injuries, which have caused him to miss time in five five seasons. This is six season, I guess, and it's just, it's very difficult to, to 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 keep going with that sort of thing. So, well, I I I'm going to be curious to see what happens with him. I sort of I sort of hope he comes back out and plays if he's physically able because. Number one, I want the Mavs to get the five, to get the fifth seed if they can, and I'm not sure they yes. can do it with the team that they have because that this roster is tired. Like you can just tell, you know. Oh yeah, now
4: that playoff rotation that Rick's been playing for three months is has definitely worn worn them down, but it's also kind of been necessary, unfortunately.
2: It has been. Well, but... thank you for coming up. Do you got anything else for us?
4: Yes, uh, just the last thing. I guess on that KP defense, um, not only obviously the injuries have slowed him down, but I mean, even just in the past five years, I mean, look at how much the league has changed and going almost every team has an elite pick. And I I don't know if I'd say elite, but has a really good pick and roll ball handler and every team's running the pick, you know, spread pick and roll all the time and just targeting him. And yeah, it's hard to be that big.
2: Yeah, it really is, and and we talked we've talked about this a couple of times, but it's it's worth repeating for anybody that that's not entirely sure. The Mavericks play this kind of conservative scheme because Luca oh, yeah. and KP are not great. At at defense yet, and well, KP is good at defense, but it, the situation they put him in is is pretty unfair with the skill level rising. So the Mavericks take the bet that a long two or an open three is gonna is gonna work for them over the long run. And where we have is these seasons of games or these stretches of games where they just get destroyed from certain areas on the floor because guys are are more and more skilled with each passing season. Like the shooting this year is, is been out of control and the the super advanced stats guys like my friend Seth Partnow and other people they they don't know if it's because like no one is in the gym and if that like plays a role and if it might go back down next season it's it's really hard to say what's going on but it, the point remains that the the defense that the Mavs run doesn't work the fact that they they replace you know Seth Curry with a bigger player in the rotation and Josh Richardson who is a good defensive player compared to Seth and they're a worse defense. You know, that says something to to the nature of what's going on with with how basketball is being played now. You know, I I do think KP's maybe playing a little bit worse, but I also think that there's just something going on with other teams playing better.
4: Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see for sure. Well, thank you for hanging out. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always.
1: This is Advertiser Content brought to you by Frito-Lay.
0: Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament.
1: Just go to frito com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito com. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, coming up next, our man Xavier. What's going on? How you doing today, X? You're on mute.
5: I'll give you a second to unmute, then I might invite you back up in a bit. Oh, there okay. You go. Sorry, I didn't even realize I was muted. No, That's so right. I got a heart out here in a couple minutes, but I just want to say, if it were up to me, I would put I would put KP and ice until the last week of the season. I'd wait until that Pelicans Raptors Wolves stretch to end. Mm. The game and I like this. Ramp him up that last week. Give him you know twenty five to thirty minutes. Three games should be enough for him to at least start to find his rhythm, right? Yeah. Um, and we gain nothing by having him play in Detroit and any of these other teams. And I know we want to avoid the playing, but for the long term, I think they're looking at it two ways: A, we want him healthy for the playoffs; B, they want to avoid any kind of serious injury before the off season because I think what he needs is an off season of being able to actually train as opposed to rehabbing. Sure. And, um, if he can get off season of just training and building up his lower body strength, um, I think they're really targeting next year because hopefully we make an impact in the off season. We give KP an off season to change his body or at least buy two. Um, we give Luca an off season to kind of get in shape. I think what they're really looking towards is next year. So I don't think we should get caught up in the short term because again, we have very little to gain and we have a ton to lose because if KP suffers some sort of long-term injury, because we push an ankle injury or because of his ankle injury, he's favoring one side versus the other. Right. And I- which is exactly. very important when you're that big. Exactly. So if he's if he's not healthy and and not only, and it's not just about physical, it's about mental, right? He has to be able to trust his body, trust his knee, trust his ankle that he can have the type of explosion he wants because if he doesn't and he's playing cautious, we all know as athletes when you play scared to get injured, that's usually when you get injured the most. So sure. I think uh, building up his confidence in regards to his body. And look, if he's frustrated about the playing time, who cares? He'll get over it. It's about what's best for the team long-term. Put that man on the shelf, have him have him rehab some, ramp him up towards the end of the season, and then let's see what we got um, come playoff time. But I, in my mind, I think that's the best approach. I think it makes sense. That that would probably – if I was a betting guy, that, that might be
2: the thing that I put um... – uh put money on just because if he was looking as rough as he was last night and he was rough then there's just not a good reason to play him until he's feeling 100 percent confident i mean i i don't know i waffle on this because like i those those of us who are old and still try to do anything athletic it's just you know one thing goes wrong then three things go wrong so i it, it probably is the exact same for a professional athlete um well thank you for joining you got anything else
5: no, and hey, to all the fans out there, remember the Sixers one thought Embiid was a, you know, was a dead end, and look at him. After years of constant injuries, he's playing at all NBA level, MVP level. So it is possible. We just have to be patient. Sure. And, but But that's all, guys.
2: All right, thanks for joining us today. That's all right, so let's see here. We have Marcos. Marcos joining us today. What's happening, my guy? Gotta hit that unmute button there next to the speaker request button. Give you a second here, and if you can't,
7: there you go. Got it. Hey, hi, Kirk. What's up? Hey. Not too much, okay. Sure, sure. I think uh, what Xavier was saying about KP in, in the offseason, I think the biggest thing he has to do is like when he's like in offense, he doesn't have like a go to move. Mm-hmm. You know, like Luca, his go to move. I'm not comparing Luca with KP, but you know, you see Luca sure. when, he, when he has. The ball in his left hand you know he's going to or take the step back or going to a left to right cross and get by you so then he sees the defense and he has a lot of counters so he knows how to attack the defense kp doesn't have a go to move so every time he gets the ball like he first half, like take two or three seconds to so know what he's going to do and then may then he takes a shot then or maybe pass it past the ball so I think for him the best the like the biggest thing he has to do right now is like I don't know he's like in, especially in isolation because you know he's in the pick and roll he has like I, I think you know he's that's something more in place but in isolation he definitely has to get a go to move so then he can work offensively from that go to move. It's he's so so the reporters who have talked to
2: him and like had more extensive kind of off the record or kind of background conversations like stuff that's not, you know, stuff that's not good enough to like make an article. But they're talking to him trying to, you know, come up with something for a piece, say that he's a really, really smart player. He knows why he does things. He has reasons he can explain his mindset when talking about things that happen on the court but I sort of read that as a bit not as a negative but to me he's just not an instinctual basketball player everything he does is calculated and it's like what you said at the start where he gets the ball and there's there's like a there's no fluidity when he gets the ball it's okay I'm going to turn over my left shoulder I'm going to make this spin move regardless of what the defense is actually doing. It's like the sort of thing where he's just like, I'm uh, this is the decision I've made. I'm not reacting. I'm, 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 I'm following up as to what I've already made the decision to do. And you see it almost all the time when he gets the ball at the top of the key and drives left and he'll drive. Like I make fun of it, but I'm, I'm really quite serious. He drives left into traffic more often than he goes right as a right-handed player. And it's so confusing to me because he's so, like, he's quite skilled. I mean, he's robotic, but it's not like, you know, Kendrick Perkins trying to dribble up the floor. I mean, he he's he's really quite skilled with the basketball, and I love it when he goes right and pulls up because he, or, you know, and then just goes and dunks the ball because he's so good at this. And so I'm not sure what a, a go-to move like might look like for him, but above all else, he just needs a—he needs to get the 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 robotic nature out of his game because he's really kind of predictable a lot of the time. I think.
7: Okay, I want I want to ask you a question. Do you think sometimes, like he tries he tries to do something and like his body doesn't let him? Because I sometimes think like he, he gets like in I don't know in a like in the limbo, you know, he he yes. try to do something, yes. you know. That I I've seen him do that a lot because like he tries to do something then his body doesn't let him and then he tries to do another thing and <laughs> normally he turns the ball over.
2: I think that's true. I think that's very true. We see it more often on defense where his body's not like he, he's often confused sometimes when guy when he gets scored on because I think he believes he has more athleticism than he than he really does at this point. But on offense, it's there too. Particularly when he gets off balance, you can see that where he's just really confused about what's happening, and and it's it's not sad. It's not what I mean, but it's got to be frustrating because he he he's just lost just enough of what made him kind of a unicorn type player, and maybe he can get it back with an offseason of training. But it's got to be it's got to be very very strange for him.
7: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to talk about the industry really because. I really don't know how he got from the point he was last season, when he was from above average to really a good player defensively, to this yeah. point when he he is like a, even a, below average. And at one time he was literally the worst defensive player in the league. And I don't know it, it is. It, I mean, he, he really a, nobody fears him. You know. I don't know yeah. if something yeah. that other players on film are watching, but he has no... So everybody runs a pick-and-roll, straight to his body, easy layup. So I don't know what's really the... What's in his mind, because I think also this is also a, a mental problem, not only, a, you know, injuries on his body. I think, you know, with all the injuries he has, has all the... Everything what happened with the trade in New York, everything on that has happened in the Dallas. The injury that he's in the playoffs, the, the talks about his relationship with Luca. definitely mm-hmm. has to affect him, you know, in the mental type of the. And I, I don't know, maybe that's affecting him too. I think I think it has to be because if he's as smart
2: as as I'm told that he is, and if he's as thoughtful about basketball. I'm sure it's just as easy to overthink all these things that are not basketball related and it, it affect his game. I think there's, there's definitely something to that. So, yeah. Well, well thank I'm you for joining gonna... us. Do You got anything else? Sure. Well, thank you for joining us. Your internet's cutting out hardcore. We appreciate you. All right. Um, I'm going to bring somebody else up. Thank you. Uh, let's see here. Coming up next is Andrew. Andrew, how you doing? Doing well. Good afternoon, Kirk. Uh,
6: Xavier stole my first point of probably should bring KP back just for those last three games. Sure. Uh, hopefully, the Zionless Pelicans, Toronto, and Minnesota. Uh, but go back to what Sim said. Uh, he brought up Cuban's interview of how he said Dirk and Jet didn't get along early on, like Luke and KP aren't getting along. I don't think Jet ever thought he
2: was a much better player than Dirk, though. No, that was a weird thing. That's where it's just like Mark. I don't know. It's just, that's part of the too much, too much uh, media time for for him. And, you know, I was, I was an avid fan back then. This was granted the internet wasn't a thing like this, but this was never a discussion because the those Mavericks teams were good. Like they, I mean, they made the play, they made, they won 50 straight games for 15 straight years. Like this is not, that's, it's just such an apples to oranges comparison. And, I think that they don't need to be friends or like close friends to play. I do think that their body language has been better, and I think Luke has kind of gone out of his way for that. It's just for for the 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 stuff where if you if it's that noticeable that to everybody who's watching the game, like. It's just it's just a little annoying, is all. And if if they're going to work out long term, like that has to be something that both of them and Luca is, is certainly a big part of this. Where it's they just need to clean up kind of the maturity level that that they each exhibit on the floor for different reasons.
6: Absolutely. If so they if they can click on the fo- on the floor, it doesn't matter what they do off the court. Yep. But we're waiting to see that happen. So I don't think I'd be looked to trade this off season, but
2: I would definitely be listening if any offers came in. Sure. Sure. I mean, I think that's going to be the case regardless of anybody, because if you get a top five player like this, then then everything's on the table every off season. I mean, I'm not sure if you guys have seen the story today, but there was a Damian Lillard piece dropped by Chris Haynes that I don't know. It's a little unfair to the Blazers organization where, but if a superstar is unhappy at a certain point, it stops mattering. You know what the reason why, if the superstar is unhappy, then you know teams kind of have a choice of what they need to do next. And Luca has not said anything of the fashion that, that would make me think that the Mavericks are heading this way. But you certainly don't want to do you just want to build a team to or continually build a team to where it uh it, it keeps him, you know, engaged and he can play a role in that too, you know, with his own kind of recruitment. So there's there's a lot of stuff the Mavericks can do. And and I'm not particularly worried about their relationship. I mean the more when I'm when I'm not, you know, and jacked up after a game where I I'm, I'm I'm really excited, the, the more I think about this, the more it's just the, there's a big chunk of the season that you have to just write off. And not just for the Mavericks, for the NBA at large. With the COVID protocols in place before these guys started getting vaccines, they weren't allowed to really spend time together even off the court. Like they, yeah. they they're isolated and, you know, it, like you throw all these just different things together and it's hard to be when I think about that from a big picture, it's hard. It's okay to just be like, "All right, you know, maybe these guys just need a do over," you know? Yeah,
6: almost do over this whole year. But yeah. the one one positive outlook: Mavs are a better road team than home team nowadays for no for no discernible reason. <laughs> so, being five seed, five six seed, may be advantage in the playoffs.
2: I like that. That's a good take. If I haven't haven't heard that one yet. I appreciate that one.
6: Yep. Well, that's all I've got.
2: Have a good one. You too, buddy. All right. Coming up next, we have Michael. Michael, how are you doing? I'm good, Kirk. How are you? I'm all right today. Thanks for joining us.
8: Thanks, man. So it, I'm kind of looking to the future. This season is what it is. And so seeing the uh, discontent from uh, Damian Lillard has me just theorizing, would you rather have, say, for this roster around Luka, KP and Josh Richardson or Mark Gasol and C.J. McCollum?
2: I mean, Mark Gasol's a little elderly at this point, um, but the C.J. McCollum thing is at least interesting to me. Uh, He's such a lethal outside shooter. I can't remember how old he is, but Uh, that's something that will probably like that, that strikes me as a bit of a desperation move on, on both teams behalf. Like, so I don't know if this is a real thing or if it would even work or if the Blazers would be interested, but somebody pitched me a Nurkic and CJ for uh, uh, KP and Powell, not Powell, no KP and Brunson uh, just kind of a like, like, you know, position for position switch. And I don't know if that actually helps the Mavericks, but it's just, when I look at some of these other teams, like the Grizzlies, or, or, or I mean, even the Blazers, and I and I say, all right, let's do a star for star switch. Like if you switch Ja Morant and and Luca out, are the Grizzlies a playoff team? The answer, in my opinion, is yes. The Mavericks just—I I don't love their talent past Luca. I mean, that goes all the way down. And uh, this, some of this is not their fault uh, because if you have to trade a piece to go get loot to go get Luca, if you have to trade two picks to go get KP. But some of it is their fault because they screwed up free agency. So I, you know, I'm very curious to see what happens. I, I, if they do something wild like this, and if both teams would be interested, I'm at least very curious. I don't know how much it helps, but I like it. So.
8: Yeah, and I'm I'm stuck between the two options of trade KP and try to get another second star in. Or just trade KP for whatever assets you can, and then just get a bunch of really good role players, like just kind of how the Jazz are built, to where well they don't have you know one player that really stands out among among the other. It's where you have yeah. a really solid team around the star, where pretty much the Dirk, the Dirk thing. I just when it comes down to it, I don't think KP's style fits what Luka needs. I think we kind of saw it in the second half of the Lakers game where Dwight just dominated on the pick and rolls with Luka getting doubled, where if you just surround Luka, Luka with another good creator and a really good role, um, a role guy who can actually play some defense, so maybe Clint Capella, I don't know. It's just I think it's a better recipe recipe for success in the long term.
2: Well, it's curious because the offensive numbers, like with, with Luka and KP on the floor, the Mavericks have an offensive rating of like 120 which is like, I think his talk Franco of Mavs Moneyball said is the 96th percentile. But on defense, they're almost equally as bad. (laughs) So it's, they just, they, they, I don't know this. I've talked about this repeatedly and I probably will keep doing so throughout the rest of the season and the off season. The Mavericks roster is built to, it's built to play under ideal circumstances. Because we've seen it when they really click and they just mow teams down. But the NBA is not an an ideal circumstances league. You play three to four nights a week for six months. That's just the nature of it. And this season is kind of really highlighting the grind of that effect. And the Mavericks need to be able to withstand that grind a little more, I think. And, you know, I did mention this earlier in the pod, but I'm also complaining about a team that has gone 28 and 14 since February 1st. Like they've figured some aspects of this out. It just there's, I don't know. I feel like there's for every, like they've won five games in a row. I think that's the most they've won. And so there's just not been that stretch where you go, okay, this is the Mavericks. This is, this is what they could be at kind of peak performance level there. I've not really felt that this year, but then again, you know, they're, they're eight games over 500. So there's, there's something going right on like a macro level, but each game and each stretch of games, the the kind of the nitpicky stuff that we love to talk about, it just doesn't feel right. I don't know. Maybe I'm overreacting. What do you think?
8: I don't think so. I think when you have a young star like Luca, who just, you don't want to do to just slow the progression of the overall team success, I think you have to be nitpicky about, you do not want to have a LeBron and Cleveland situation like happen. You, you, that's what you're trying to avoid five years from now. And you can't – I know we can say we can just look forward to next season, but I've been on team trade KP since before the bubble last year. I don't – I just think you're playing with fire and sure. injury, even if it's a five-game injury. It just decreases his value. He may build it up for two months, but then it just gets – all the way, it's like taking three steps back when you took a step forward. And I just, I just think it's, I think it's right to be nitpicky. Now we can sometimes be too much, but I don't. I think as long as they don't go through the soft season and just say, "Let's run it back," just because of COVID was the reason they were bad, then I think they're doing a good job. But it, do
2: I trust them? No. <laughs> I completely understand that. Well, Michael, do you got anything else before I bring a couple more people up? No, that's it. Thanks, Kurt. Well, thank you. Sure thing. Thanks for joining us. All right. Um, coming up next, uh, we have Brian. How you doing, Brian? I like your icon. Hey, because... Kurt, can you hear me? I can. I can. I like the Pegasus icon. You, you got his photo. photo. Hey, Kurt, can you hear me? Yes, you sound great.
9: Perfect. Awesome. Hey, uh, two questions. Um, the first... Um, Back in the day with Dirk, when did he start spending majority of his off seasons in Dallas? Now, I know he still went to Germany and was working with Holger, but I know Holger was spending quite a bit of time. I mean, I'm more so just asking, you know, at what point do we think Luca will start spending majority of the off seasons um, here in Dallas? Um, and to point that Xavier and some of the other guys meant, um, hopefully, this off season can be an off season that KP can actually work on his game. Um, and hopefully, you know, if him and Luca are in town a little bit more um i guess you know build some some additional chemistry so a you know when do we think i guess luca will start you know taking the off season not that he doesn't take it seriously but you know he's staying here locally um and secondly i think we're all happy as you just mentioned with the recent run since february um but this the front office i think we're all a little bit hesitant so is this recent run then throw into the COVID and everything Is that kind of giving in Mark and Donnie? Do you think those guys are sitting back like, man, we're better than our record shows just because of these reasons? Maybe we don't need to add that much in this offseason. So mostly just kind of getting your thoughts on how the season has played out um, and what the front office thoughts are on that. Um,
2: And that's really all that I have. It's a good question. I'm going to answer the second question first. So on on an earlier locker room, one of Mark Stein's very first, he said something to the effect of the Mavericks thought that they could be competing for a top four seed. So they definitely expected more out of this season. If they finish with the fifth seed, I think it's going to justify a lot of what they were thinking. Uh, But I'm not sure I agree with that. But again, I'm very reactive to individual games. I think all of us are. Uh, it's hard for me to take a long-term approach. It's just not who I am. Um, I, I do think that the Mavs are very proud of themselves and they have reasons both to be proud of themselves and they have reasons also to wonder if they could have done better because I think this, you know, I'm very, I'm I'm a little worried about this off season and I've talked about it for almost three years now, 2019 was a bust and they, they made a mistake and, and by not pursuing and spending their kind of artificial cap space, uh, that they had from Bird Rights for KP Maxi and and Dorian Finney Smith, and that that they're that's just gonna pay for it. They're gonna pay for that for a while because the Mavericks are not very creative with the cap. Um, with a team like like say the Miami Heat. Um, so I'm a little concerned about what moving forward means because if 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 they get if they get into the first round and like beat the Nuggets, it it strikes me very much of like a situation where the Trailblazers we got to the Western Conference Finals in 2019 and they. They responded to that by basically extending everyone on that team. And then they've not been very good since they've been okay, but they've not been good enough to be like Western conference finals quality again. And I, I worry about that risk. I mean, they gave up two first round picks to go get Robert Covington to not change their defense at all. So it's like, that's just sort of the thing that looms large over all this, but that's what Donnie gets paid for. And hopefully, you know, hopefully they'll figure something out. Do I have a lot of faith in the moment? No but that's just because I'm a grump um, to answer your first question. Dirk pretty much moved to Dallas almost immediately. Um, he lived with Don Nelson, I think <laughs> uh, because it was the lockout season and he moved there right away. He was 19. He was kind of an unknown out, you know, he's coming off of a really hot summer where he cooked the the men's senior national team, like 40 points in a, in a game that Charles Barkley talks about that you can find on the internet. Um I don't think Luca ever moves to Dallas, ever. Luca is a, 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 I I nearly called him a globalist, which is not what I meant to say. Um, But he is, he's very much a guy, like a citizen of earth. I mean, he, he moved from, you know, he's born in Slovenia. He played basketball starting as early as what, 13 uh, in Spain. He's, he's very, um, he's very much. Uh, just a guy like he, with the internet and everything it's in existence, he seems to like to travel. He seems like to do different things. I just don't think he ever lives in Dallas. Now, as far as taking care of his body in the off season, that's going to come with age. He's worked with a number of different programs, including places here in the United States since before he was, he was, um, you know, in the NBA, there's that, I want to say it's, it's this training facility. I think Dalton probably will remember what it is when I invite him up on stage. Um, and it, it's just like he seems to like to travel, have fun. He, he spends time with his girlfriend, who I think he should uh, uh, marry, and then he can have a kid, and then that kid can play in the NBA with him when he's like 41, uh, which would be uh, you know kind of like LeBron's going to do. But that's just a weird off-season take for me. I don't know. I'm not too worried about it, though, because you know he's going to go and he's going to do what helps make him the most competitive. And eventually he's going to make the choice to, be, uh, to get an outstanding shape. He has is it just comes with time. Like Joel uh, Joel Anth or, uh uh Embiid needed to, to do this. Um it took him a while. James Harden needed to do it. And you know the fact that Lucas twenty two, I think when he's twenty five, we're gonna look back and be like, Yeah, remember when he just looked, you know, different, his body looked different? So that's kind of where we are with that. Does that does that answer some of your questions? Yeah,
9: no, absolutely. And I think you just hit the nail on the head. He's 22 We've he's been so amazing three years in. Um and yeah, like like you said, most of these, you know, players, look at all the guys that are, you know, top players in the NBA that are in their primes, they're all in their late twenties. So the fact that he's already arrived um at twenty two, um, to your point, yeah, that maturity and obviously that's gonna include, you know, his antics on the court and his barking at the refs. The older
2: he gets, um, I'm with you hundred percent, man. That's all that I had. Thank you. Sure thing. Sure thing. Well, that's all uh, that we have. Dalton, I think, had to jump out because he was at work today um, and I should get back to work. I'm probably 15 minutes over. But this has been fun hanging out. I'm going to uh, throw this up on podcast feed, even though all of you have been hanging out. I'd appreciate it if you downloaded. Uh, those of you who haven't, try to give us a uh, five star or four star or three star, you know, whatever review you feel uh, necessary on your Uh, podcast apps. Uh, We'll be doing this again, uh, Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy, following the Mavs Wizards game tomorrow night. I look forward to talking to you guys. Thanks for hanging out on a Friday. Everybody be good.